Pastor Tom asked me to share quite a long time ago, and um, my instant answer was like, yes, I'm so excited. I just love sharing with you guys, and I never know what's going to happen. Sometimes it's a surprise, but I feel like I always grow in the process, and, and then like sometimes cool things come out of my mouth, and then other people get to like grow with the Lord from it, and I think that's really great. Um, so a few weeks ago, do you guys remember Pastor Tom had a time where um, people could come up and give testimonies? You remember that? And like how beautiful it is when people are vulnerable and, and come up and share something that um, was maybe just a tight circle or a tight group got to have that information and then all of a sudden we're all like, we're all in the group. <laughs> we're all a part of that moment and get to, get to share that testimony together. And I remember that day, I remember that day thinking, um, Katie, just shut up. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. No, I'm the Katie. Yeah, not a different Katie. It was me. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a voice saying, just, just shut up. Like, this is not when I want you to share, um, share your testimony, or this is not when the time I have for you. And I think you need to just listen. And um, that's not my normal response. <laughs> my normal response is to talk. And so, um, and so I sit there, and Pastor Tom's like, I see someone in the back, and I think they haven't come up here yet. And I was like, no, no, no. Stop it. And then he was like, in the back? And then I was like, no. <laughs> then he said it again, and I was like, I'm not coming up there. Um, and I really felt like it was, it was for, this, for this moment, that it needed to be saved for this moment. I'm not going to go into this long, like, spending all this time to go through testimony. Um, but I do want to kind of unfold um, a little bit, and I think a lot of you know the last few years of my life here, and um, in different ways, in different portions, or in that. Um, but I did go through a divorce in December of 2022, would have been uh, when my marriage ended, but technically it was a separation at that point um, with the end goal of being divorced. But, um, and I remember um, knowing the Lord very well, and feeling secure in my place with the Lord, and also feeling such guilt and shame and fear. Holy cow, like it was like choking me. Um, and uh, even walking into a church, a church like this one that I know is like fully in a place of like, we love you, and we understand life does happen, and things aren't always as they seem and we love you, and love and truth, and that whole tension thing, and I'm like, praise the Lord for that, because it could have been a lot harder. This is also a month after starting ministry here. I started November of 2022. <laughs> What's that? 2020. My bad, homie. Yeah, two-year anniversary coming up. No, so November of 2020. And we're about to change years again. This is, like, going to screw me up all over again. Um, but I, I started, and technically I started, I think, actually, 
two weeks into November. Like they, they had kind of started it at the beginning of November since I was already kind of doing a lot of those roles anyway and transitioned into that. But I think I technically had only started in the middle of November, um, like fully accepting that position and starting that. So two weeks later, uh, my marriage ended. Um, Pastor Tom was not necessarily surprised by that. He had walked with us through, um, through a lot and uh, was a beautiful uh, guidance for us and uh, support and love, and I was so thankful for that. Um, but I'm like, surely, Lord, this is not your plan because I'm starting in ministry that I absolutely love. We had come back from Thailand as missionaries thinking the Lord's done with you. Like, you know, you guys came back and obviously like that was your chance to like do the Lord's work and you came back and now you're just like Joe Schmo. And I worked at the Y and I remember one of our, one of our supporters came up to me and he looked at me and he goes, so now you just wipe people's sweat up? And I was like, pretty much, dude. And sometimes I, I share the Lord with people as they're like working out and stuff because I worked at the Y. And, um, and I said, well, I choose to be used wherever I am. And right now this is where I'm at. And then the Lord finally brings me to a place of like being in ministry again, the way that my heart desires. And um, in my marriage ends. And fear guilt, shame, and what am I supposed to do now? Do you just keep, do you keep going in ministry? I'm extremely broken. I'm extremely broken. I'm now a single mom, okay? Um, I now have a three and a half year old that is, their world's about to be shook. Um, how do I be a guidance and a, a foundation for her that is stable and is secure and is love and is everything that she needs to hopefully not, like I, if you could, everyone knows you, if you could save your kids from going through the crud that you place in their life, like that, it's crippling. Like you just, I feel for her even today. You know, she's still, she's going to go through it regardless. And, um, and so when we think of our testimony, I've decided, and I decided back, back then, I will choose to keep going because I know the Lord is going to keep working. And I, there were a lot of days where I had to just say, I choose to keep going, and I don't know what he's doing, but I'm going to keep going because I have to. Because the, the other choice is to walk away. The other choice is to walk away. And I'm like, well, that's not an option. So I guess we're in this. We're doing this. And, um, and it has been... It has been really, really hard. It has been really, really hard. And I feel that I have been tested and persecuted and kind of spit on. Not, not literally, thankfully. I don't think there's any, no. But 
I have felt uh, extremely, extremely um, attacked uh, by by Satan, by by people, um, by opinions, by by whatever you want to say, in the midst of. Um, walking with our youth while also being super, super vulnerable as I walk through hard times because they, they deserve to not see some, you know, raw, robot version of, of me functioning, but they deserve to see someone walk through hard, hard trial and still love the Lord and speak truth to them in the midst of, in, in the midst of whatever pain um, that I'm walking through, and my goal was, I hope this helps them, and I'm sorry, I keep pointing to Viv and Emily, I was like, Matthew's in here now too, but he's kind of just come into it, so he, like, surprise, <laughs> if this is new to you, <laughs> welcome to it, um, gosh, I'm ridiculous, okay, but welcome to it, but those girls deserve to see hard life be done, and the Lord still be glorified, right? Because we each have our, our hard times, but God. We have our hard times, but even if, I think one time I did a message on, even if life isn't how I thought it would be, there's still God. And so then it started bringing me to a place of like, so we all have our stuff, right? We all have our different stories, and, and thankfully we have different stories because if all of our stories were my story, then we obviously would come to a place of we all know how life is going and what's going on, and we're all kind of messing it up together. <laughs> you know what I mean? So now Chuck has a story. Chuck has something he has struggled with at one point in his life or another, um, Melissa has something that she has struggled with that is, is part of her testimony that uh, nobody else can mirror, but someone can relate, right? Miss um, Lynn has a testimony of something that is, is hard in life or that she's worked through, whether it be years ago or whether it be three seconds ago. And there's someone else that has also walked through that and those testimonies, whether they're not, they're not exactly the same, they're where they can walk together with it, right? So what is the purpose of our, our testimony? So that could be, I just put down a few different things, like childhood trauma. I feel like a lot of people, childhood trauma is like something that has, it, it's deep-seated and it, it has a hold on us. Or um, just past choices past choices and decisions has a hold on us anxiety has a hold on on anything our testimony our pain our growing it has a hold on it um, depression addiction divorce has a hold on like sometimes the testimony that people get to see um, and so I um, I quickly realized that fear had a hold on me, like a hold, um, where I felt um, 
I felt strangled. I felt strangled by fear. Uh, fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear of the disappointment, fear of the shame, fear of the failing, fear of the outcome of, of Nora walking through this and, and me just like doing my best to love the Lord and love her through it. And like, there's no manual to make that like perfect. Um, and, um, and it was a few weeks ago that I said, hmm, are you guys ready for this? Please be ready, because it's really good. I said, I ain't doing it. <laughs> I went, I ain't doing it. Fear does not have a hold on me. I'm highly favored. I'm highly favored. And how dare fear try to, to walk with me or squelch what the Lord says about me and what he says about fear. So I was like, so we're going to dig into this. So, um, so this past Wednesday, uh, youth, yes, Matthew, you included, you were there too. And we did a lesson that was so stinking good. I just walked away and went into a corner of the room and let them like do their thing. So I gave them note cards. They broke into two groups. One group had scriptures on fear, had scriptures on highly favored. Highly favored. And so during this time, our fear group, which was the boys group on the boys couch, <laughs> and then we got the highly favored were the girls on the girls couch. But our boys um, started out their, their time with 2 Timothy 1.7, I've got Cindy up here. Mm -hmm. That the Lord did not give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind or self-control. But I really like a sound mind. I really like that version. That was in this version, but the NIV says self-control. So he does not give me a spirit of fear. So if he does not give me a spirit of fear, who does? Satan. There we go. Satan gives me a spirit of fear. He gives me a spirit of fear and he makes sure that it feels like it's suffocating everything in my life. And so I was like, oh shoot, that's not good because I feel a lot of fear. And then it kind of created this um, do you ever feel like it's okay, I've got Satan, like, step away type of thing, like, you don't have room here type of thing, and I realized how close he really is, and, and it scared me, I didn't like it, um, because I thought, no, I, I tell him, I don't have room for it, but I'm still sitting here going, man, I'm fearful, I'm fearful of the unknown. I'm fearful of not being in control. Oh, that sucks. I, that's a good one. Like not being in control. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to be in control. You're not supposed to be in control. Um, and so it just, so then Psalms 34. I promise you read the whole thing and it like, it will not be a waste of your time whatsoever. But 34.4, um, um, the Lord rescues us from all of our fears. He rescues us from them. Um, 
verses like 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast your cares, be sober-minded, and be alert. So then I started thinking, okay, so, so fear was my thing, right? Um, so, so the other day, as I was preparing this, I wrote a letter to fear. Here's my letter to fear. And let me tell you, I sobbed. I like snot cried and wrote this letter. And I, we're going to come back to this because I'm going to really encourage you to do the same to whatever, whatever your, your thing is, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's uh, addiction, whether it's going through a divorce, whether it's whatever, fear. Um, but I, I needed to do this and kind of say, like, I ain't got time for you because I'm highly favored. So then I started realizing the things that were affected by, by having a mindset that's not of the Lord. So when we, when we have anything in our lives that we know this is not what God agrees to and his word doesn't say it either. So his word does not say fear will happen. It says you should fear the Lord. <laughs> you should fear the Lord in his ways. Not fear that cripples you, but a fear that motivates you, right? So the opposite of the fear that we normally deal with. And I realized there were three big categories, at least to me, that I pointed out very, and I think everything kind of umbrellas under the three, is our walk or our personal growth, our testimony or the ministry that he's doing in our lives for those around us, and our future. And so the three of them kind of piggyback on the other, right? So what our personal walk looks like or our personal growth, are we keeping his commands? Do we have fear of the Lord, not fear of circumstances, fear of, fear of guilt, fear of shame, fear of dot, 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 or... Once we have our personal growth, what is our testimony? If, it were, if we're keeping it to ourselves, just like we talk about the, the fruit of the spirit or the, the tree, and, you know, is a tree supposed to bear fruit so that it can bend its arm back and take a big old bite? No. Like, we have our testimony, our walk with the Lord, so that we can grow, it can extend out, and be given to others. And are we seeing fruit in the people in our lives around us? If we're not, let's take it back to our walk. If, if we're not seeing that, okay, like at work, I'm seeing maybe some growth, but in my home, I'm not seeing growth. Okay, let's take it back to our walk. Let's take it back. Where, where am I kind of walking out of bounds here? And let me like scoot in here or scoot in there and get it back to where I need to so that the testimony can grow in our future. Are you ready for this? Our future... Should I say it now? No, I should wait. No, I'm going to say it. Just kidding, guys. Our future is a combination of the two with endless possibilities. With endless possibilities, right? Because God is, has endless possibilities. Get it, girl. Was that you? <laughs> um, our future is our walk with the Lord the testimony we have with others with endless possibilities of what God can do with it.
And so, um, I realized that there needs to be breakthrough that happens. And so, what what we did on Wednesday is we had our two groups. We're gonna go into we're gonna go into Luke um, chapter one. And so, what we end up doing is we went through a bunch of verses about being favored. Um, about being favored with the Lord, highly favored or fear, and what, what the Lord says about fear and what he says about being highly favored. And um, Viv and Emily end up having uh, like this mind-blowing moment with scripture. And I love to sit back and just be like a fly on the wall. Like if I could just like stand here and pretend I'm a stand and just let them like do their thing and then like get to hear it all as they're like, do, 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 do. This really stands out. This really stands out. I can't believe this. Are you kidding me? I didn't know that. Why is this? Mind blown. Are you ready? And so uh, chapter one, verse 26, we're talking about the angel Gabriel being sent by God. And so this is our, this is our pre-Christmas service, if you didn't know, right before Halloween. <laughs> Forget Halloween. Just kidding. Um, all right. So uh, we started talking about Mary and, um, and her testimony that gets to be like in this really cool book, the Bible, that we get to have her testimony and what God did in her life. And then from that, it not only changes her future, but all of our futures. It was cool. It was really cool. So in, in these verses, Gabriel comes down, and she was engaged to be married, and we know she was a very young girl. So as youth girls, like, reading this, it's like, man, like, she was younger than us. Or how old are you? Fifteen. So she was probably a little younger, a little younger. Um, so then um, she's engaged to be married, and her name is Mary. The angel came and said to her, Greetings, favored woman. First off, do you call any 13 or 14-year-old girl a woman? <laughs> so then it was just like, man. But he, but he also he greeted her with respect and with, with authority and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. And, and from there says, um, let's see, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement and wondered what kind of greeting this could be. So for me, that line right there says a little bit of fear, a little bit of like unsure, a little bit of like, are you talking to the right person? I don't like, am I supposed to talk to you right now? And uh, the angel told her, don't be afraid. How many times do we see in scripture, don't be afraid? Don't be afraid. We're going to walk through this. Don't be afraid. But also, this is what I'm going to tell you. You're going to have a baby, and you're not married, and you're going to name him Jesus, and he is going to be, I got it for you. I got you. There we go. You're welcome. Um, and he's going to be the savior of the world.
So let's, without, I mean, if you're cheating already, because I know you're probably looking at the scripture, what would be your response? <laughs> yeah, right? Okay. This is like youth group now. It's not a sermon. This is youth group. Like, we are talking. But like, really, what would be your response? Well, first off, you're about to get me in a whole bunch of trouble because I am not a married woman. Um, what does, like, what are people going to say about this? How am I supposed to support this? How am I supposed to support this baby? What do you mean? You're, you're an angel. Why are you talking to me? I am fearful. I am afraid. That's, that's what I would say. I am afraid. What, why? You obviously got the wrong girl. <laughs> you need to go down the road. I would have said all of those things. I would have said, no, this, this is shameful. This is going to look shameful. People are going to know that I was not with the person that's supposed to be my husband, or I've been with him before I'm supposed to, and that's what they're going to say. And we don't hear a lot about, we don't hear a ton about what people said during her pregnancy. We don't have a lot, but I would say that people were not quiet. I would say that people did whisper and people did make it uncomfortable and people did wait until she left the room and made it a little awkward because she still heard them whispering and thought mm, they don't know they don't know yet but what is her response I am the Lord's servant said Mary uh, verse 38 I am the Lord's servant said Mary May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left. I'm not on Mary's level. <laughs> I'm not on Mary's level, but I want to be. Like, but I want to be. And so, wow. She just, in seconds, replies to an angel I'm the Lord's servant. Let's do this. And that was that. And then, I mean, and then you just see her go to, go to Elizabeth's house, and, and Elizabeth has, is pregnant, and the baby leaps and, like, knows that the Savior of the world is, is in this baby's presence. Right? So she was highly favored by the Lord. So then I want to go to a complete separate story. So they have nothing to do with each other. Don't get it like that they're like piggybacking off of each other. Two different testimonies, two separate occasions. But we're going to go to Matthew. Uh, chapter 17, I hope. I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah, okay. So then the week before that, or was it the week or two weeks before that, we had done a completely different lesson. And this was a mind-blowing week of, like, what is God doing? And I think Pastor Tom spoke about it um, maybe, maybe the Sunday after we did, so probably about two weeks ago. But when Jesus transfigured in front of a few people, do we remember this? Okay, you obviously don't, because you guys would be like, yep, I remember. It was amazing. 
Okay, are you ready? All right, so chapter 17, verse 1, right from the beginning. I'm just going to share through it a little bit. And so after six days, and this is uh, after six days of Jesus' death being predicted on the cross, after six days, he took Peter, James, and his brother on. So some of the disciples, some of them, not all of them. Why only some? I have no idea. Um, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Verse 2 comes in like it's just some like little tiny thing. But if you stop for a second, you're mind blown. Okay. He was transfigured in front of them and his face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as light. So his clothes changed colors. He shone in front of them. And suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared. Two people from the Old Testament showed up on top of this mountain that it says, after six days, Peter, James, and his brother, John, led up the mountain by themselves. He was then transfigured in front of them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as light. And suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. And then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? <laughs> like, I just see it as like, I think some big stuff is going down. Like, do you want me to go? <laughs> like this, it just seems like, I, am, I, am I supposed to be here? So anyway, it, whew, beautiful. Okay. Uh, then, uh, then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you want, set up three shelters for you. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Like, what do I do? These are like highly favored people. And I like need to do something to like, it's like we would say, can I get you water? Can I, are you hungry? Can I feed you? Do you like, are you warm? Can I get you a blanket? Can I, what do you need? Um, while he was still speaking, while he's still speaking, like, uh, in the middle of a sentence. I love it. <laughs> Suddenly a bright cloud covers them. So that the entire weather pattern changes. In the middle of him trying to, like, can I, like, fix things for you? Can I make everything, like, really good? The whole weather pattern changes. A bright cloud covers them, and a voice from the clouds says, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased, and commands them, Listen to him. And they fall on their faces. They fall on their faces. And a beautiful, beautiful thing, they fall on their faces. <clears throat> Jesus came up and touched them and said, get up, don't be afraid. Get up and don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except for Jesus. Their focus, Peter's focus 
was so torn between seeing these people that are respected for what they did, absolutely, um, and, and Jesus being there and not knowing what to do and what way to follow and what, what thing had his attention to literally the, the weather patterns, switching it up, yelling down at him, I command you to listen to him. He's my son. And them falling on their faces and getting themselves focused. And when they look up, they just see Jesus. No distractions. And they, they hear, don't be afraid. I would think for a moment, there would be a moment of Peter being like, oh, shoot, I kind of screwed it up. Like, I was trying to like, I was trying to focus on these other people that just appeared <laughs> from the past because I was in shock. And all this time, they were just here to honor Jesus as well. They were just here to show how cool he is. And I missed it. And Jesus, don't be afraid. There's no shame, no guilt, no, no, no fear. Just focus on me. And so... Um, there's a really cool part. You ready? We're going to start on top of the mountain over here. I'm not going to get too close to that because it's going to yell at me. But they're like coming down the mountain, doing life together, right? So after this like mind-blowing whole situation happens on top of this mountain, and now these people are, poof, disappeared. The weather's back to normal. His clothes are no longer shining. His face is no longer as bright as the sun. He's back to being Jesus that they walk with and they talk with. And they're going down the mountain. And he looks over and he goes, now, don't tell anybody about what just happened. <laughs> I would have failed the assignment. I would have failed it real good. Okay. But he says, don't tell anybody until the Messiah comes. Like, until the Messiah comes and, and, and dies. The Son of God pays for sin. The promise we just talked about six days ago, I predicted. I was like, mm-mm. I don't know about that. I don't think I can do it. So then what it made me do, we had, I'm telling you, an amazing conversation around this whole situation and like how do you just come down the mountain and just now don't tell anybody until after what's I want to make sure I, I say it correctly because I don't I don't want to say something than it is okay uh, do not be afraid when they look up they saw Jesus alone as they were coming down the mountain Jesus commanded them don't tell anyone about the vision until the son of man is raised from the dead so the disciples asked him, and they went on, they, they asked him questions like, whoa, like how does this all fit together? But like, and so, um, so then we take it from the story that it was, mind-blowing on its own. And then we say, okay, that happened, that's our instruction. And then I thought, well, the Son of Man has raised from the dead. So I guess it's, it's go time. 
we can start sharing what happened, right? We're now active people with testimonies of what God's done. And I thought, wow, um, those three people, Peter, James, and his brother John, were highly favored to see something that only them and Jesus went up the mountain and they got to be a part of this. They were highly favored in that moment to their testimony was forever changed with like richness of like seeing Jesus become fully God and then fully man, well, fully man and then fully God and then walk back down the mountain. Like, and Peter still ends up denying God. He still ends up denying him. How do you see that and still do that? Peter was struggling. Me and Peter have something in common. So then, really it all went back to this, this place of what, what holds back your testimony from being alive and active and growing and how does it affect the future? So if fear continues to hold me um, in ways that I have let it absolutely hold me, wreck me at times, um, even if I don't always show it out to everybody, it still internally happens and it's, and it's there. But if, um, if fear continues to have favor in my life, I am squelching the opportunity for the Lord to have favor or to highly favor me. And he's already said, I think that way of you. So then, what is your, what is your thing? So fear, guilt, shame, pain. What is taking place and getting to own us. Does, does fear own me? Not anymore. I, I, wrote a, <laughs> I wrote a pretty beautiful breakup letter to fear. <laughs> I, I did. Um, and I wasn't going to read it, but I think I am, and that's okay. But, um, so... I am going to read this, but I think that the, my point in reading it is hoping that you guys will uh, maybe get a better understanding of what I mean by whatever. Do, I mean, can I even see, like, and in no way do I want to hear what it is, but would you say that you have something that you're thinking of that holds you back from living out God's truths? Something that you think of yourself or that you have, has um, maybe squelched the opportunities that God could have in your life, um, whether it's, you know, a guilt about something that's happened in your past, or a childhood trauma that's made you feel less, or um, whether it's something that just stops you from dreaming, um, from being used by God, or feeling, feeling that he's gifted you, um, or that you just carry lots of shame. So I hope you guys are thinking of that thing, whatever it is, for a minute. Um, and so 
my letter read, Fear, I hate that I know you. Um, you've had a hold on my life in so many ways. You've squelched my ability to dream. You've made me believe so little in myself. I've listened to you and felt paralyzed by your power and authority in my life. I no longer allow you to lead me. I serve a God who's given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. I hope for my future. I have hope for my future and how different my testimony will be when you're gone. Goodbye, fear. I don't have room for you in my life. I don't have enough room. Because I know every time I listen, that's the end of the letter, but every time I listen to fear, I am pushing the Lord aside. And I'm squelching his testimony. And every time I push this aside, how long before, <laughs> how long before this is on the ground and so far away that it's so hard to get back to because we've been listening to junk. Junk. You're welcome. Man, you're welcome. Yeah, we listen to junk. And I don't know if it's a lack of faith or if it's a lack of uh, a lack of understanding the strength and the love of the Lord or if it's a lack of understanding the depth of who he's created us to be and the amount of power, like really believing it. Because I think we probably don't believe it. Like when he says he gives us a spirit of power, well, what does that mean? Like I can move heavy things or like can he move mountains through me when I'm faithful? When I believe it, when I live it, when my walk looks right so my testimony testimony is growing which gives my future endless possibilities right and if we have a problem with one of them let's go back wait a minute let's go back to our walk our personal walk so i want to i want to share i want to share a song with you guys and um and so during this time if you have not yet thought of, of something that you feel holds back your testimony from growing with the Lord and whatever that is, um, I, would, I would really, really encourage you to do that um, because he works all things that we struggle through for his good and for our good. He works all of it for his good and for good. And I am so thankful. That's hard to say. I'm so thankful for the last however long it's been. And it's been junk. It's been a lot of junk. It's been really, really hard. There's been some really big growing moments and a lot, a lot of crud. A lot of crud and a lot of persecution, a lot of moments to say like, okay, you win, <laughs> I'm done. I don't know what to do anymore. Like, um, but God. And so I'm ready for a breakthrough. I'm ready for a breakthrough of, yes, all the crud happened, but within the crud is when you get the testimony. 
The good times are good, and he absolutely gets glory for those. But in the crud, when we choose to get out of the crud, and we choose to see above the crud, and yeah, it, it's still going to be there. Fear is not my future. He is. Guilt is not my future, my story. He is. Shame is not my home. He is. Pain does not have a hold on me. He does. The grave does not get to take me. He gets to live in me.